huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. Welcome to Disruptors and I'm Rob Moore. This episode is with Megan Barton Hansen. Megan Barton Hansen is an influencer, model, activist, and stripper. In this episode, we talk about how Megan, at 20 years old, walked into a strip club to become a stripper, and then how she turned it into a multi-million OnlyFans empire. We talked about Love Island, its impact on society, its impact on fame and influence. We talked about mental health. We talked about Megan Barton Hansen's sexuality and coming out and becoming an activist for other women. We went everywhere. I think you will be pleasantly surprised and a little shocked by it. Megan, what was life like before Love Island? It was exciting. I feel like I've always had a pretty exciting life. If it's not exciting, I'll make it exciting. (laughs) What did you do before Love Island that made your life exciting? Um, I was like my own boss. I worked in a law firm as a legal PA for like three years. That's exciting, isn't it? That was so boring. (laughs) So (laughs) I quit and then I walked into a strip club and was like, can I have a job please? Never walked, like been in a strip club, didn't know what the environment was going to be like. I just knew I could make good money, be my own boss. You so, weren't, there's no fears or worries about that. Of course, but I feel like you don't grow as a person unless you like push yourself out of your comfort zone. And doing that job, it was like mind-numbingly boring. I'd get be on the train for seven, be home at seven, have no money to spend myself, paying bills out, I was living on next to nothing. And then I went away, I wanted to travel with a boyfriend. He was like, no, I wrote his CV for him, got him a good job in the city. So now he was comfortable. He didn't want to go traveling with me. So I was like, I can't sit here and be like in London making no money. Went on a like cheap little holiday and saw a stripper. And I was like, oh my God, if she can do it, I can do it. So as soon as I got off that plane that evening, I just marched into the strip club and was like, can I have a job? And from there, my life just got suddenly more exciting. I had more money. I was my own boss, working whatever hours I wanted, and life was good. <laughs> and how old were you when you decided to be a stripper? Uh, 20. And did you tell anyone before you were going to go and do it? I told my parents, and my mum was, like, crying. She was like, do not do that. Like, you don't know what it's going to be like. People will speak to you a certain kind of way. Everyone's going to judge you. Because I was bullied at school. Like, my whole school life, I dealt with bullying. So she was like, you're just going to create more of that for yourself. Um, but I didn't care, I was so headstrong. And I think because I've come from a really working class background, I just equated money to happiness and that was what I was gonna achieve. And did you make good money as a stripper? Yeah, so in a night I was earning like my monthly salary in the city. Really, in one night? Yeah, it was, it was good. It just gave me so much freedom. Yeah. So I'd work four nights a week and the rest of the week I could do whatever I wanted with. How many hour shifts would that be? So I would start at 7.30 and then finish at 3 a.m. Right, yeah. So it's quite long. So not mega hours. No. 30 hours a week. Yeah, it was. It left me like a lot of free time. And obviously I was young then, so I could wake up at 10 in the morning, not hungover, and just get on with my day. 
And then from that, I started posting more on Instagram and built my Instagram following to 200,000 before Love Island. And then because how society loves sexy women, but if you're empowered and making money from that, they don't like it. So my Instagram got shut down. And I was like, oh my God, my world's crumbled. My 200,000 followers went into Love Island and then came out with 1.9 million. So... Right. Can we talk about that then? Yeah. So you built your 200,000 up. How? Um, so from the stripping, I had more like body confidence. And then I would get asked to do like modeling jobs. I was doing like glamour modeling. Um, I got flew out to LA to shoot with Snoop Dogg for one of his brands. That was amazing. Went to Miami. And I just, where I had all this free time and extra money, I could afford these flights to go and create content with amazing photographers that would work with glamour models and stuff. I went and had a, a screen test with Guess and Playboy in LA. So I was just really pushing myself. I was like, now I've got all this money and freedom, I'm gonna like maximize it. And I was already getting hate from my, my local area for working in the sex industry. So I was like, well, the negativity's there. And that just like drove me to, mm. if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it properly. <laughs> and then why did you get shut down? What happened? Instagram rules. So like nudity. So I'd post oh. like pictures in just like underwear or just knickers and then put emojis over my boobs. And yeah, I you... got reported that many times that it just deactivated. Oh, I... so you did get some warnings. Yeah. <laughs> and you just ignored them and carried on. <laughs> this was my livelihood. Yeah, and yeah. all that traffic, them 200,000 followers, I was then driving that traffic to my OnlyFans because I had OnlyFans before Love Island. Right. To make money. So. Yeah. I couldn't not post. It was like a way of promoting my OnlyFans. And was that, looking back, a smart move that you had OnlyFans because you got shut down from Instagram, therefore you've got control of your audience to a certain degree? Like, were you savvy of that? I could get shut down on Instagram anytime. I need to get my audience on a different platform. Yeah, definitely. Because there is so many rules. And I get that if you've got young kids on there, you don't want them seeing women being like sexual or whatever. And also, there's no money in Instagram. Like, the money is in OnlyFans, so it was just to right. drive traffic to my OnlyFans. And when you've got 200,000 followers like you had, what kind of money were you making on Instagram? Not a lot. But for me, I was happy. To get a brand deal for, like, a grand, I would be happy with yeah. that. But not, like, the millions we might think influencers might earn on Instagram. No, not with that following. Like, 200,000, it's not a lot now. Like, people have millions and millions, yeah. don't they? And then you said after Love Island, so what, you set up another Instagram account? Yep, so I had a whole fresh one just before I entered the villa, and I think I had like 100,000 before I went in. And then as I say, I came out and had like 1.9 million. I was like, oh my God. Wow, when you were in Love Island, are you allowed to go on Instagram and update it, or you just have to stay all off completely? Yeah, you're off completely. But for me, it was a real indicator of like people's reasons for being there so the ones who were there just for like the fame and the business side coming out and not love every time runners would come in or we would have like our lunch and dinner that weren't filmed I'd be like, how many followers am I on how many followers am I yeah. on I'm like, i can see your intentions yeah and what were your intentions why did you want to do love island i think because my whole life i've always been a bit of an introvert i felt like being on tv and being famous was never something on my radar for me i was just driven by money and being successful Um, And I got asked the previous year to do it by this guy who run a glamour magazine and I modelled for him. And he was like, come on, I'm putting some girls forward, you should do it. And I was like, no, I don't know. And obviously because my stripping passed, I knew it wouldn't be plain sailing. There would be a lot of judgment. There would be 
a lot of backlash from that. So I was like, I'm in an R in. And the second year came around, he asked me again. I thought, you know what, what have I got to lose? If anything, I'm going to grow in confidence, get more followers for my OnlyFans. That equates to more money, even if I'm there for a week. So I pushed myself. I never expected to get to the final. So it was good. I'm glad I'd done it. And how did Love Island change your life? Like, surely it must have been different afterwards. Yeah, it was so different. And I thought, knowing everything, I think that I've been everywhere, I've done everything. I was like, well, I've faced trolling anyway for stripping in my local area. But that was such a small scale. Imagine, like, national newspapers putting you on the front, calling you, like, Muggy Megan and ripping apart my appearance from when I was, like, 16 to then 26, I think I was on the show, or 24. It was awful. Like, you couldn't expect, you couldn't prepare yourself for it. No matter how many therapy sessions you've done, you, you wouldn't want your worst enemy to go through that. I think being torn down by, like, massive media, like, outlets, like the Daily Mail and the Sun, like, it was hard, I won't lie. And did you have a dark moment or did you have, a, like, a memorable time when you thought, this is really awful, why have I even gone on the fucking show? Yeah, so when I first come out, obviously, like, the bars, every, you're so busy with work, you're getting a new management. And for me, I was in love when I came out, so it was still that honeymoon stage. And I felt like, oh, he's gone through this as well, we're in it together. So I felt really supportive and just didn't... So before I come out, they briefed me. I had an ITV guy brief me on all the negative headlines, and I was a bit taken aback. But then I was like, I'm in love, I've got all these opportunities ahead of me, don't look back didn't read, didn't delve into any of them. It wasn't until the relationship broke down with the guy I was on there with, and then my brother, my younger brother, who I've like looked after his whole life, was going through like mental health struggles. And I would say that is when I was like, why on earth have I done this? Like a public breakup is hard. Mental health is hard. And all my brother's stuff got dragged up and was put on like the sun and stuff for things he'd done. He never asked to be famous, that was me. And I thought, ah. Oh. Maybe I fucked up here. That was the only time. Yeah. Was it hard to hold a relationship after Love Island when you know, you've got the massive public eye on you? Do you think that relationship might have worked if it wasn't in the public eye? In a way, kind of. I think because you're so focused on all these opportunities and not missing out. Like we both had really normal lives before. So career and earning money and not missing out on opportunities was both our drive. He's very mm. driven as well. Um, and then because of my character on the show, I was kind of portrayed as like the man eater, going for what I want, I don't care about the other girls, I'm gonna get my man. Um, so I think people were really happy to see that relationship break down. And it was more my ego than the actual relationship. Like it was only a six months relationship. Um, it wasn't actually that deep, but it was more my ego because I knew everyone would wanna see me be cheated on. And that's what happens. So oh, like, that's annoying. <laughs> Because I was Annoying or did it really hurt? I would say less hurt, more, like I said, my ego. Wow. I'm very proud and that isn't the real me. How I was portrayed, or I've never watched Love Island back, but how I feel like they fitted me into that and made my character be a certain way was quite cocky and like, I'm going to go for what I want, I don't care. Um, and then to be cheated on, obviously, the public would love that. They're like, hmm, well, you deserved that, didn't you? So it was more my, <laughs> my ego and embarrassment. I was mm. like, how can you do that to me? Even if you didn't love me anymore, like, as a friend, don't embarrass me like that. <laughs> mm. Wow. And in the public, how did that make you feel in the public? 
Yeah, I felt quite vulnerable. I felt like I was portrayed as such a powerful woman on the show and then to come out and... Were then... you as powerful as they portrayed you? I mean, I am very stubborn and I will... I like to believe that I can always get what I want, whether it's going to take a year or I foul five times, the sixth time I'm going to get what I want. Um, but I don't think I'm as ruthless. I think they cut out certain elements from what I've heard of my personality, like the geeky side or the shy side or the kind side, um, and just really, like, put me in a box of just being this cold-hearted mm. ice queen. <laughs> so, so you're not a man-eater? No, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> <laughs> in general... Is it hard holding down relationships when you are a public figure? I think so. Um, like now, I would say once I'm in a relationship and I've built that trust with someone, that part's fine. It's knowing people's intentions. And I've been on dates before when guys have like got their phone like that under the table and taken a picture of me at dinner. And I'm like, <laughs> are you okay? They don't even need to do that. They're on a date with you. Why don't they just ask? Literally, yeah. but I'm sure. And then it hurts my, my feelings. Because I'm like, are you here for me and my personality? Or are you here just for clout on your group chat? Like it's difficult yeah. knowing people's intentions. Um, but yeah, I think meeting someone's difficult. But I think once you've met someone, mm. And you've established like that trust, then it's not so. It's just like any other relationship, I guess. So things like that happening, does that make you trust people less? Like, do you trust people or not? Mm. Do you have a wall up? I definitely have a wall up. And I like to really suss people out and take time to get to know them. I feel like I wouldn't get with anyone who wanted to be an influencer. I'd want someone who's got their own career, their own thing they're passionate about. Um, and people really get it wrong. I think they think people in the industry date each other because they want more clout or they want to be more famous. But really, it's just someone who can relate rather than dating someone who has an average job and just wants to go out with you just to like, impress their friends or grow mm. their following. It's tricky. So did you go into Love Island more for love or fame or money? Success, yeah, yeah, I would say. I didn't, I'm, I'm not naive. And obviously working in somewhere like a strip club, you get to see a whole variety and spectrum of men. Yeah. <laughs> so my confidence in men wasn't the highest. <laughs> I won't lie. Yeah. Um, and also that show had been on like, I think it was season four that I went on. So the show was starting to get really, really big. Mm. And people knew the opportunities you'd get by going on it. So in my mind, no one was there for love. I didn't expect to fall in love, but I think being in that intense environment, it's hard not to. If you're there, I was there eight weeks. You're... So do, were you really in love? Yeah, hand on heart, honestly, in love. Wow. But I, I that's do falling, think... That's quite quick to fall in love, isn't it? A few I weeks? I think so, but it's intense. They make you do things in eight weeks on the outside world you'll never ah, do. So it's like going out with some normal person in a year in a normal world. Because you're doing things all the time. Yeah, constantly. Yeah. There's no escape. There's no time to like go and have your own space. And they would have like challenges or things where you like write letters about why you love that person so much and what you like about them. Like it's wow. very, very intense. <laughs> wow, holy shit. I'll tell you what I want to ask you that's interesting. I didn't even know I was going to ask this. But you said you've seen a lot about men. So, as a stripper who's seen a load of men in that environment, what's the best and the worst thing about men? <laughs> the best thing, they're so honest. And that's why I have more male friends than I do women friends. I think what you get with men is what you see. Like, 
they don't have time to like bitch about other people. They're just in the moment having fun. That's yeah. the best thing about men. The worst thing is I feel like when they pay you for a dance, they feel entitled and they can speak, their attitude changes. Uh, I think especially if they've paid for a few dances, they're like, okay, so now you're going to chat to me. I've had one guy clap at me from across the bar, be like, Megan here. <laughs> like, sorry. <laughs> one guy pulled my hair. Like they do. And I think alcohol has a part to play. Yeah. So I think I've seen a very niche, like kind of man in that environment, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not like the average guy. It's yeah. like a drunk, intoxicated, let your hair down once a month kind of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and OnlyFans, was there a strategic thing where you're like, right, as soon as I get to a level on OnlyFans, I'm not gonna strip anymore, or do you like stripping in the live environment? How did that all change the game for you? No, I could tell in myself, it was, I was getting bored, I could get bored very easily, and I was stripping for, only a year and I was like, do you know what? It's killing my social life. The hours aren't mm. great. I'm earning good money. But then I got onto webcam, which was at the comfort of my own home. I could log on, log off when I wanted. So I made my most money from webcam and then OnlyFans as well. So So did the lockdown like was it good for you? Like your career took off because people can't leave, I'll go on webcam with Megan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, when, before I went on Love Island, they actually asked me to delete OnlyFans because it's a family show right. and they didn't want that association. So did begrudgingly, yeah, I deleted oh. it. And how, how many OnlyFans followers did you have when you deleted it? I can't remember. It was nowhere near as successful as it is now. But that's deleting money though, isn't it? I mean, you must, you know, they pay you. Yeah. Can you remember how much money you just sort of went, bye, I'm going on Love Island. I was earning probably like two grand a month yeah. on OnlyFans then. So it wasn't a massive deal, yeah. but it was still a decent amount. But yeah. then I had to like weigh up the risk and reward. Like, mm. am I going to not go on Love Island to make two grand a month? Yeah. And I thought, no, nah, I'm easily going to make that back after this. Yeah. <laughs> and um, how many subscribers to OnlyFans do you have now? I don't actually know. I think in the thousands, but I... I, I could have a lot more if I open like a free page, but everyone pays like $25 a month to be on there. So I think it's not as many as people think, I don't think, but in what, the thousands. What about, so what's the, do you know what you earn from it? Like what the money is? <laughs> yeah, it pays the bills. Save us, the, save us getting the calculator out. How, how much do you earn out of it? What, what I like about what I'm picking up is you're honest about the money side of it. You're honest about the career side of it. I wrote a book called Money. Yeah. Um, my, one of my missions in life is to help as many people get better financial education and knowledge. And I don't think we talk about money enough in this country. And like, as soon as someone talks about what they earn, it's like a major faux pas taboo. Mm. But I don't think it should be. What's wrong with talking about money? No, I would definitely tell people when I retire from it, I think. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Right, well, okay, so it's 25 pounds times thousands. Well, there you go. I mean, Harry, come on. Get the calculator. Oh, you need my um, face recognition. Let's get the calculator out. Do you have um, different levels? Because I, I have a subscription site, mm. but um, it's for information on business and money. And I have a um, six pound a month level right. and a 28 pound a month level. Right. And I'm probably going to have a £100 a month level. Mm. I also have a 25 grand a year level mastermind. Oh, wow. So do you, you 
just do one level, do you? I do of... one level, but then I can upsell in the DMs so I can send them like more exclusive stuff ah, in the DMs so they have to pay to unlock. Yeah. <laughs> See now to build a funnel and all that kind of thing. Wow. She's trying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's paying the bills. It's good. It's more money than... It's more than paying the bills, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Yeah. <laughs> But then I want to pick your brain because the next thing I want to do is get into property. So this is why we're working so hard on OnlyFans. I plan to retire maybe, I'm 28 now, when I'm like 32. You make six figures a month on OnlyFans, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> that would be selling. Yeah. But yeah, but it's I've, a Harry's done a, 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 a low level calculation. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, we have 1,100 tenants in our property portfolio, so we've been doing it for 16 years. Great place um, to hold and build long-term wealth. So you've got my number if you want any help with that. Definitely. And maybe you can help me with my subscription site. I mean, I'm obviously not going to be able to do it the way you have. <laughs> but, I mean, I have 6,000 members, I think, of mine. I probably made a mistake because you, you went straight in at 25 a month. Yeah. Whereas I started at 6 a month. I undersold myself, didn't I? You did, but yeah. don't worry. <laughs> we can get you up there. Yeah. So anyone who's a member, you can blame Megan when I put my fees up to 25. No, don't blame me. <laughs> did you start at 25? Was that where you were at from day one? Yeah, and I feel like you've got to know your worth. And there was so much hype around my old like OnlyFans and what I'd done previously. I knew I'd get a lot of backlash from like the papers and stuff. So I thought if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it properly. I'm going to get a proper good photographer who's shot like loads of celebrities before. I'm going to make sure the content is perfect, charge a premium. And it, it worked. Mm. And how do you deal with all the hate? How do you deal with all the judgment? The people in your local town and city judging you as a stripper, the people saying OnlyFans isn't a real job. How do you deal with all of that? It does get to me on on days. And I think like recently, like literally this week, I've had an article come out about why this lady was saying like, why should people get real jobs? Why should people go to uni if you can just be like Megan Barton Hanson and make six figures a month just being an influencer? And she fails to like recognise like all the achievements I've made, like empowering other women to do the same, give them a taxable income from home, which is safe when they can't go out if they've got kids to work. The fact that I've gone to Oxford and Cambridge and spoken, I've done so much positive, but all she does is pigeonhole me and put me in a bracket of, oh, she had sex on TV and she's got OnlyFans. Like, why is that such a negative? If I'm successful, I'm still a businesswoman. It might not be the way she would want to make her money, but I feel like unless you're hurting anyone, what's the issue? But mm. there's days, like, obviously I'm human. I'll have a day where I'm, like, not feeling my best and I'm like, oh. And then I'll go on deliberately to self-sabotage a bit more and look on the Daily Mail article and be like, oh, what's come out? And I like hover over the comments and I'm like, do I read it? Do I? And I'm like, no, no. But I think it's just something you learn in time. With age, you get more confident. And like I said, from 20 in my local town, I had it on a small scale, people judging. I think at the end of the day, it makes me happy. I'm financially secure. I've got so much freedom. I'm happy. I can support myself, my family. And I give other people jobs, like stylists that turn up on these photo shoots, they're getting a wage. Hair and makeup people, they're getting a wage. I've got mm. a PA, she's getting a wage. Like, it's not a bad job just because you wouldn't necessarily do it. I'm not hurting anyone. No. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> if you would have to have your time again, yeah. would you do Love Island and go through that whole process again? Mm. 
You would? A thousand percent I'll do it again. Like at first, initially when I saw all the bad headlines, I was like, oh God, I thought it was going to be bad in regards to my career choices. I didn't think they'd pick apart my appearance and that's what hurt me the most. But I feel like from having all that negativity and being one of the most talked about contestants on it in such a bad way, I've turned that around and come out and been like an advocate for all of the underdogs, the people who do work mm. in the sex industry, the people who have suffered mental health, the people who are bisexual or questioning their sexuality. And why is it bad? Like if a man wanted to have sex and teeth, like there's so many contestants of mine, male contestants that done exactly the same as me, not even asked the question, are you embarrassed? Are you ashamed? Do you think your parents are embarrassed? Not even a question. To me, every interview I done when I first come out, how do your parents feel? Do you regret doing that? No, we're on a show where you're with fit people, you're supposed to date, I'm in there for eight weeks. If I sit with two people in eight weeks, I think that's quite good to be honest. <laughs> I've got girlfriends that have sit with eight people in two days, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> wow, this is fascinating by the way. <laughs> have you ever watched an episode of Love Island? No. No? No. And <laughs> let me um, just explain. So sometimes when I, because this is this will be about episode eight hundred and fifty. So we've done a load of these, and I've interviewed mm. a load of people. And sometimes I do a load of deep dive research. Yeah. And sometimes I do none at all on purpose. Yeah. Um, because sometimes when you do none, you can have a fresh perspective, and you don't ask all the same questions that everyone else asks. Right. So um, yeah, I thought hmm, maybe I should watch you the whole time on it as part of research, but I thought, actually, I can come from someone who doesn't know Love Island, who doesn't know this industry. I can come from an entrepreneur angle. Like, I'm fascinated about your OnlyFans business. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about the money. I want to talk about the upselling, the different levels, all of that. Because what's wrong with that? But I guess a lot of people would look at OnlyFans as, oh, well, you know, just stripping online. And I think it makes it... So that's my excuse for not watching Love Island, by the way. <laughs> No, I don't blame you. I never watched it before I went in either. No. But now I'm addicted to it. I love it. Only because I know like the inside and well, how course, it works. Yeah. And I'm like, mm, I wonder if they actually said that off their own back or they was like gently nudged to say that. Right. But um, Were you nudged to say things then? I mean, I'm quite... I wanted to make an impact. Like if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it properly. But I think they definitely encouraged me. If they saw me act in a certain way, they'd be like, oh, I saw you was flirting with so-and-so. Why don't you go and... I was like, oh, no, but he's coupled up with her. Don't worry about that. They're like the wing woman on the night out. So yeah. they can't tell you, put words in your mouth, but they no. can like... What about the editing, though? I... That's why I haven't watched it, because right now right. in my head, it was a lovely summer. I fell in love. <laughs> yeah. It was great. I like if that. I watch it back, I'm going to get so annoyed from yeah. just little bits that I've heard from people. And my family and friends, I was like, they never showed your like little geeky side or you being silly. Like, I'm such a tomboy. Like, I play, fight and just be silly. Yeah. Like, I don't take myself too seriously. And apparently, like, none of that was put in there. But mm. I want to pick up on the achievements you said, because I've got this in here. I have done a lot of research on your achievements because I thought that's uh, important. So am I right in saying you're an ambassador for women's sexuality? Is yeah. that right? Yeah. And like sexual empowerment. I think I was one of the first influencers to promote sex toys ever. And this was during the first lockdown. And I was a bit nervous because obviously everyone in the UK is so prudish and I'd never seen any other influencer promote a sex toy. But I was working for Anne Summers and I was like, okay, we want you to promote this vibrator. 
And at first I was like, oh God, my parents have just got over the ordeal <laughs> of the, everyone saying that I've had sex on TV. Am I really going to do this to them again? But then when you break it down, I think it's so important for girls to explore their own body, know about pleasure before they go in to have sex with someone. Because in films and media, it's always like, oh, the woman's reluctant to have sex and oh, she just does it because it's like a, like his birthday or something. Why is that the narrative? Just because we're women, we enjoy sex just as much. And I think you would go into sex, not pleasing a man like what you see in porn, like all porn is for the male gaze. And I feel like women are very submissive in sex and it's all about pleasing a guy. Whereas if girls explored their own body, knew what they liked, they could take that into the bedroom and be more confident and assertive. And I think that's so, so important. Did you do, you did Anne Summers, did you do Pretty Little Thing as well? Yeah. You did, and those brand deals, they paid well, did they? Yeah, they yeah. were huge. Like, Pretty Little Thing, I couldn't believe I got that. That's the one I wanted. Right. And I was so adamant because I find it so cringy when people come out of these shows and use their platform just for greed and money and will take deals. They've got a full set of veneers like myself and will start promoting teeth whitening. It's like, right. them teeth are porcelain and they're the whitest they can be. So let's yeah. not lie to all your followers and disrespect them and start ah, promoting like teeth whitening toothpaste. Yeah. So I was very stubborn and I refused so many things at the beginning. Um, but I'm glad I did that. What kind of brand deals did you refuse? Like, what didn't you want to do? So one of the other big headlines was how much I spent on surgery and how different I looked from, like, a 16-year-old to a 24-year-old, which is obviously life. It's gonna ch- You're going to change anyway. But they made this big narrative that I spent thousands and thousands. So I had surgery companies saying, you can have whatever procedure you want. We'll pay you, like, a six-figure like number to come and get surgery with us. And I was like, wow. absolutely not. Like, imagine that like, I've made my choices for me, not for anyone else, but yeah. I'm not going to stand there and start promoting surgery to my following, which is predominantly 20 to 30 year old women. Yeah. So. Can you talk about what cosmetics you have had done? I don't know this world. So <laughs> honestly, I, I know this bit. <laughs> I can work that bit out. But that's about all I know. I'm sorry. And if you're listening on the audio, I know about breast augmentation. But I've got friends and they talk about these things. I don't understand it. And I've got an eight-year-old daughter, so I'd like to learn. Yeah. So, yeah, so what have you had done and why did you do it? So the first thing I had was my ears pinned back. And I was, like, very, very young. I was still in senior school. So I don't know my exact age, but year year 10. And that's because I was getting bullied at school. Now, I was minding my own business. I didn't care. I wasn't very naturally academic. And my brother was super smart without trying. Like, he was little shit that didn't try and got A's. And I was, like, going to tutors, doing the most. So I was such a little geek. But kids are cruel. And I was getting bullied all the time about, oh, my God, your ears stick out. Oh, my God. So it was affecting my life. So I went to my mum. I was like, mum, please. But they had no money. So we went and... Um, yeah, went and got went to the doctor and was just like, look, she's getting bullied. It was a point where I didn't want to go in school. I was crying at the beginning. I was crying at the end. Like, it took over my whole day, consumed everything. And then I couldn't even focus on what I'm doing in class because kids were, like, just evil. Um, so I got that done. And then even once I got that done, I got more bullied for having to go in school with a big bandage around my head and look like a dickhead. So <laughs> <laughs> constantly losing. Um, and then after that, I got my first job and I was working three jobs. So I was working in New Look, in McDonald's, which no one can believe I worked in McDonald's. And where else was I working? And a fish and chip shop all at once. 
Um, and I saved up and saved up. And because I made like quarter of the money, I said to my parents, please, can you like borrow me the rest? And then I got my nose done and my boobs done at 19 and had to pay them back. Then I got the legal PA job. So that's why I had no money from that because I was paying them back each month. Um, and then that was it for ages until I properly got into stripping and modelling. Then I had enough money to get my teeth done. And then that's it. But they love to make out like, oh my God, look at her at 16 and then look at her at 24. Naturally with age, fashions, like everything's going to change. Oh, and I had laser eye surgery. So the before picture they put out of me, I had like these massive like glasses on, no lips whatsoever. But I don't, I don't think I was ugly. Like I think it's so mean that a journalist who's a grown adult would pick apart the appearance of a 16 year old, mm. but anything to sell papers, I guess. Yeah, that's not <laughs> nice, is it? <laughs> But you're still here chuckling away, happy. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I'm cute now, so it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Could the cosmetic surgery element become addictive and have you had to rein yourself in to not go overboard with it? I think, if anything, because of all the headlines and press I got about my surgery, it made me go the other way. When I come out of Love Island, I was so in love and happy that I gained a shit ton of weight. So I was being (laughs) abused for that. That's the worst for your figure, falling in love, isn't it? (laughs) Literally, dining out all the time. Um, And because I made such a big thing of it, I was petrified to get anything done. I didn't have like fillers put in my lips or even Botox or anything for ages because I'm like they're just gonna all take the piss out of me if I get a single thing done and then I kind of got over that and I was like why am I not living my life the way I want to because of random journalists I'm never gonna meet um and I've never lived my life like that caring about the opinions of others Mm. but obviously when it's on a massive scale like that it does affect you a bit more I thought I was resilient but of course I'm human Mm. But no, my biggest message, because people try to put me down and say I'm encouraging, all my followers are young girls, they're easily influenced and I'm encouraging them to get surgery and I've never once said that. When I was 19, I won't lie, there was a part of me that thought, right, when I get massive boobs and a smaller nose, it's going to change my confidence and my self-esteem issues and I'm going to wake up off that operating table and feel like Beyonce. And that's like my biggest piece of advice. You can change the outside shell. You can buy the most expensive designer handbag, put all the makeup on in the world, get every surgery. You're not going to love yourself and feel any more confident or different. That's inside work. And that's for me, that's taken years of being bullied, having therapy and just self-love and age, I think. I think you get more confident with age. But that's my biggest message to girls. Do it for you, no one else. Mm. And really, before you even put that money aside to go and get lip fillers or a boob job, pay at least the same amount on therapy because that's where true happiness comes from. Right. And how can we like or love ourselves more? It's just self-acceptance, I think, and retraining your brain. So for me, I know at 28, it took me a long time to understand this, My biggest downfall is I talk negatively to myself. So I don't know where it's come from or why I do it, but for a long time, I would speak to myself and put myself down and be like, oh no, you're not good enough to do that. Or, oh no, this doesn't look, I'm a perfectionist. So I'm like, "Mm, that doesn't look quite right. Or maybe this, or maybe that. Or when I've achieved this number in my bank account, or when I've got this weight on the scale. I I did the maths on it, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's in my bank account. 
yeah, there's always be some excuse why I'm not good enough. And until I started going to therapy, I was like, you wouldn't speak to your mates like this. So why are you speaking to yourself like it? I think that's when I turned a corner. And now I'm my biggest cheerleader. Some mm. people are like, all right, you rate yourself. I'm like, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> because if you don't, who else is going <laughs> to? Yeah, that's good advice. I was the fattest kid in my year from 11 to 13. I do struggle with loving myself. No way. Yeah. Did you say you were the fattest kid? Yeah, I was the fattest kid. No yeah. way, you look so slim. Yeah, well, that's because I'm so scared of getting fat. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, yeah. Kids can be evil, can't they? Yeah, yeah, kids can be evil. And it's funny because I went back and, and reconnected with some of my old school friends. Mm. Um, and I waited until I was successful to go back. And they were like, wow, Rob, you've done so well. Um, and I started talking about how much I hated school and how I felt so bullied, and none of them even knew. No. They were just like, I don't remember that. Nah. They, did, they didn't, I don't, you know. Okay, they probably said some things, but they're not sitting there going, oh yeah, Rob's the fat fucker. I spend all my time thinking about Rob the fat fucker. None of them were thinking about me. They were thinking about all their own problems. Yeah, that's so true. People don't realise, like, one comment can really affect you, like, yeah. for life. Like, same as people, like taking the piss out of my ears sticking out. That really got to me so much that I, I was still a baby and I got put to yeah. sleep to have them pinned back because of what people are saying. And to you, it's like your whole world, it consumes you. And to them, it's just one throwaway comment. They yeah. won't think about you again once they've gone home from school. Yeah. <laughs> it's mad. And I think that's important to say because we think that everyone is thinking about us and judging us. And they say something and then they're gone and they're not, they're not thinking about us anymore. But yeah, there was some hateful comments. But none of them could hate me anywhere near as much as I hated myself. Mm. I hated the way I looked. I hated it. So what made you? What made you change? Do you I don't know that I have. That? I don't know that I have. I. I. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how much I really love myself. I don't think I. Re no, I don't think I can ever. I mean, I look at my face and I think. I'm all right, I'm not bad for a 43 year old, you know. Got a bit of salt and pepper going on in the beard, apparently, you know, I'm like, I can look at myself in the mirror in the way I look and I'm okay with myself. Yeah. I don't really like certain parts of my body or whatever. But no, like, when you said, yeah, yeah, I rate myself, I just thought, wow, I'd love to think that one day. Like, but, I rate myself. I, I don't know. But rate that's myself. my conscious mind, and that's how I like get through things, I guess, because I consciously. So you keep telling it yeah, to yourself. Until I believe it. <laughs> yeah. But don't get me wrong, there's days, like I said, when I have bad day, my subconscious is going on and on and on. Yeah. Like, no, you're not. You're a piece of shit. Like, mm, someone's put on a bit of weight, haven't they? Do you know yeah. what I mean? I still. Yeah. It's human, but I think. You've got to just train your brain. Like how I go to the gym and, and everyone goes to the gym and spends so much money on gym memberships trying to make the outside again yeah. look nice. You've got to put the same effort onto the inside. And that's why even when I'm in a good place, I constantly have therapy. I'm constantly looking for new ways of therapy. And mm. like I said, I've just like started doing NLP and it's really about training your mind to be nice to itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a book by, I think the author is called Shad Helm's letter called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. Mm. And what's, what really surprised me when I started therapy was how fucking really nastily I talk to myself. So like, many of us I'd do be it. horrified if anyone talked to me like that. I talked to myself way worse than anyone could talk to me. And I was horrified. It's you know, weird, you fucking it? idiot. <laughs> You know, literally, but not in like a jokey way. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And 
But sometimes I think that drives me because I am quite brutal to myself. I'm like, well, we're not going to stop until we make this much money yeah. to make ourselves feel better. Yeah, but then you don't feel better. <laughs> you just want more. Like you'll only be happy when you're making a billy on OnlyFans. <laughs> not on me. Yeah. Literally, it is hard. Yeah, I'm I think this I, book, I, no, on, sorry, go, you go. I'm reading this book called The Happiness Trap, and that's really interesting. And I think we're all programmed to be like, happiness is like a constant state and it's not I don't mm. know who told us this yeah. or where this came from it's like moments in the day it's like oh that was a nice moment and then you add them together and at the end you look back yeah. and like oh it was a good day overall I don't know why it's drilled into us like happy ever after and it's going to be this big happy life all the time because that's our fantasy I guess so and then they can sell products and services against that fantasy yeah, you need yeah. this handbag to be happy. Trust me, I've been in. But then you need the next one and the next one and the next one. And I'm a bit of a sucker for cars and, you know, I get the Lamborghini Aventador. I'm like, yeah, but I want the S. <laughs> yeah, oh, but the new one's coming out. And in the end, you have to look at yourself and go, I've got a Lamborghini Aventador. I should be happy with that. And that's a difficult thing because marketing is always... Yeah, I, I agree with that concept that um, there is no destination of happiness. No. It is a present thing mm. and yeah 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 look um i've got a mentor um and he says everything has an equal upside and downside mm. and so if he was sat here with us he'd be like yeah the this whole thing of the delusion of perennial happiness that is going to create the the most unhappiness in you ever because it's a state you can never achieve so, like, we're striving for something that there's no end to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you, if you think there's something out there that you can get and you've been told you can get, but actually it's impossible to get it, but you don't know that it's impossible, that's a curse, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be stressful to try to get That was like there. me and girls at school. <laughs> yeah, that's how that was. <laughs> Whereas what you, I think what you said was, um, there's some good days, good moments and bad moments accept them and then count focus on the good ones at the end of the day and count them up yeah because you could just as easily focus on the bad ones couldn't you and that's a shit day yeah <laughs> no i can't be around people like that i feel like as i've got older i have to like other people's energy really does like reflect on me and if mm. someone's constantly negative i'm just like no my mum's like it sometimes. I think it's an age thing. I'm like, mum, you've just told me five negative things and it's 10am. I said, I'll speak to you in like two hours. Can you perked up, please? <laughs> yeah. It's too much. <laughs> and you think that the people you hang around with, you think it's really important? So important. Yeah. Like, if you surround yourself by successful business people who've got a passion and drive and they get up early, they go to the gym, they've got a routine, you're going to be like that or mm. want to be like them. If you're around friends, for my, I grew up in South End, so there's not a lot of money there. Half the people I went to school with, they're just sitting around all day in their pajamas, smoking weed, watching Jeremy Kyle. Well, they used to when it was on. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. no. That's why when I was young, I was like, I have to get out of South End. I have to get out of South End. I'm back there now, but I've got my own little routine and I keep myself to myself. Yeah. And what about advisors around business and money? Because I guess when you've made really good money quite quickly, like you have, that can be a curse at times and you don't know what to do with it and everyone around you wants a bit and you could put it into some bad investments. How was that journey of learning how to manage money? I'm still learning. Like for a long time, I was kind of 
not ignorant but like I said I wasn't super academic so every time when I first had an accountant and they was talking about dividends and this and that I was like oh my god what are all these words this is the stuff we should be taught at school and it really winds me up that we learn like the angles in a triangle but we don't learn about dividends and things like this I'm like what um (laughs) that's great though but I have like slowly taught myself different things but I'm just very sensible and I think if you come from nothing you're gonna like really look after your money and like make wise investments like I've just saved and saved and saved and I bought my house but I think I want to get into property and get like a property portfolio because I don't want to do OnlyFans forever I enjoy it Mm. now but I never want to log on and think oh this is a chore I want it to be fun and I love like having a whole day and like getting a stylist and having a theme and doing that but there's going to be a point where I just want to not be about my looks like my whole career has always from 20 been about how I look and I'm the product I don't want to be the product anymore Mm. I just want to chill be like anywhere in the world and like run my business from there but um no I think I've just been really really careful I've always got loads of opinions from people who are successful and have made it and I've always had like a therapist or a life coach that I like bounce ideas off of and good accountants Mm. (laughs) Would you call yourself an entrepreneur then? Yeah, I'd like to say so. I mean, the papers and a lot of people would love to be like, you're just an OnlyFans influencer, it's the easiest job. But I would say I'm a businesswoman just because it's the business they wouldn't necessarily do Mm. or promote to their kids. Like, I'm making good money. Mm. (laughs) And I'm not saying, like, my message isn't like, oh my God, don't do your GCSEs, like, do whatever and then grow up and get your tits out and be an OnlyFans girl or get on Love Island. Like, I'm not saying that. If I was more academic, I would have loved to have been a lawyer. Like, when I was working in a law firm as a legal PA, it would have been my dream to, like, train as, like, a paralegal or do something like that. But it's just... I'm a very, like, visual person and it's different for me to learn things. Like I said, my brother was a little shit, never paid attention in school, still got A's in all his GCSEs. I made sure that I stayed in after school, done extra papers, sat there like a little bit. The brain just can't retain it. I'm more of like, I'm a Pisces, I'm a creative person. But if that's the way I've earned my money, I'm not hurting anyone. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It is what it is. Mm. (laughs) You talked about therapy. um, Mm. And it's really nice how open you are about it. I first started therapy, when I say started, about three and a half years ago. Mm. And I actually, after I started therapy, then a couple of events happened in my life, which I definitely needed therapy for. But I actually just started because I was like, well, I've done NLP and personal development and positive mindset stuff. And I've read all the self-help books and done all the courses. The only thing I haven't really tried as self-improvement is therapy. And actually, I found it a really good experience. And I learned a a lot in therapy that I didn't learn in self-help and personal development. What's your experience of therapy? I have mixed emotions. So I started therapy when I was like 17, I would say. Um, Was there a trigger thing that started you in it? Yeah, just like bullying at school um, and things like that. And I just was very, always been really introverted. And I hated myself for being introverted. And I think for a long time, that was my biggest issue that I was working on. Lack of friends, bullying and being introverted. but at first, my few first therapies were like just listening. And I don't find that productive. I know I'm very self-aware. I know what my issues are. 
Janice listening to me for an hour and charging me for it isn't going to help. So when I discovered um, CBT therapy, I enjoyed that because it's solutions, it's ways of like retraining your brain. Um, but yeah, I think it's like going to the gym. You don't like it before. You hate putting the gym outfit on, driving to the gym, like, oh, this is going to be fun, isn't it? And that's what I'm like before a therapy session. Have the therapy session, come out, and I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I've got this. I'm ready for the next week. Mm. So I do think it does help. But I'm loving NLP. I've only had about five sessions and it's just like a different way. Like she gives me solutions mm. and different tricks to like really train my brain in a better way. If mm. I I suffer from anxiety, like different situations, I've got a TV show coming up, which I've it's never been on TV before. It's a whole new concept and I'm a bit nervous for that. And she's given me like Are different Are you allowed tools. to talk about what that is? Not yet, but you'll see. Give it's, us a clue. Um, well, they've written in the paper that it's like, gonna kind of be on the same similar wavelength of I'm a celebrity right so it's really testing and I'm excited for it because people like I say I've only seen me on like dating shows mm-hmm. I've done like um celebs go dating x on the beach love island all dating all very samey samey same narrative that I can just like get whatever guy and all of this mm. this is really gonna test me and people are gonna see like the real me so I'm excited for that but also very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> How do you handle anxiety when you get anxious? Have you got any like procedures, routines mm. that you do? For a long time I didn't. I just had to like sit with a feeling and I would get really like shaky and I'd like come out in hives and I'd be like, oh my God. It's my, my mind though. Now I've got control of my mind. I'm like, okay. So Meg, like, think of the worst case scenario, what's going to happen. And then when you break it down to different levels, so say for example... I was anxious about coming here. Say if I don't know what to say or I say a really silly answer and you laugh at me. Then that happens. Then what's the worst case scenario? And I just take it through steps like that and then really break it down. And it's never as bad as you think. Mm. But it's when you let your mind run away with you, I find that I'm like, I could just get myself into some sort of state. Mm. And then after you're like, oh, it's never as bad as you think. Yeah. And how do you stop your mind? Because I do that. I have arguments with people in my own head. Not even with them, you know, long fucking arguments and I always lose. How do you stop yourself from, you know, replaying things over and over in your head? I just kind of like break it down, like how I just described. So it's it's hard to give an example, but say if I was nervous about going on this TV show and then I think, right, logically, why are you nervous? You come across bad. Okay, you come across bad. Why does that worry you? because I'm putting all my power into what other people think of me. Why are you doing that? Am I successful? Yeah. Have I got to where I am because of me? Does it matter the opinion of others? No. And I just really like te- mm. like break it down to the small little steps. I'm like, actually, it's fine, Meg. That was great, that little dialogue. <laughs> it's like having your own internal life coach, isn't it? You can almost coach yourself. That's how this NLP lady has like, showed me. She literally showed me this like three days ago and I'm yeah. obsessed with it. <laughs> Right? It's good. <laughs> Overall, do you think Love Island has been good for society? Mm, it's a hard one. I mean, I can't really tell you what's been super negative about it, other than the fact that they haven't really had diverse people on there, I don't think. They always say they're going to put a plus-size person in. I'm yet to see that. I keep championing having like an LGBTQ plus one. They can't do that logistically. I think it would be great to be more diverse, 
But other than that, I don't see what they're doing wrong. Like, we all have to watch it. Everybody, from, like, old men and women to, like, straight men, they're like, oh, I just, they come up to me. Oh, I saw you in Love Island. Only watch it because the missus made me. It's like, no. You love it, really. I know you do, Bernard. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I don't think it's that bad. And I think if it wasn't Love Island, it would be like the Heat magazine or this, the OK magazine. If it wasn't that, it would be Instagram. There's always somewhere for people to get like pop culture and like, do you know what I mean? Like mm. there's always, if it's not Love Island, it would be something else. And I think it's good fun. Mm. For me, it's nice to watch with my family. Like it's a good, wholesome show, I think. Mm. <laughs> Some people, I think... Would it be fair to say, sort of maybe struggled with their mental health coming out of those show who've been in the show? Have you seen that? Yeah, and that's where I think things need to change. I don't think it's about saying, oh, okay, so we've got a therapist on site for you to speak to if you feel down. It's not that. It's managing money, business and success because you're putting these people on a pedestal, but literally for limited time. And like the sand time is running out. Once you've done the PAs, and these managers, a lot of them, I can't speak for everyone, but I feel like a lot of them, they just see you as, like, quick cash. They're going to rinse you for what they can, give you all the jobs just to get their commission and not care about your mental health, and if you're going to sustain, like, a career after this first year that they've used you. And I think that's what's dangerous. ITV do the most. They're there with therapists, but it's, like, the managers and business advice we need. Because you can't give these young kids everything, and especially for men, like girls, it's easy to, you can get beauty deals years and years after. Boys, once they've done the PA circuit, and there's like one boy out of the 12 that are gonna get like the clothing brand deal, like the Boohoo deal, what are the rest of them gonna do? And then they've got this unnecessary pressure to have the nice car, to have the pretty girls, to have the nice watches. Us girls, we don't have to worry about the car, the watch or anything. We just shop in pretty little thing for a five and we're fine. Mm. <laughs> it is unnecessary amounts of pressure and I feel particularly bad for the boys on there, I do. Mm. I wouldn't want my brother to do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you came out as bisexual and I've never asked anyone about that. So this is the first time ever in 850 episodes that I'm talking about that on a show. No way, yeah. you need to be more diverse, Rob. What? It's not just Love Island. <laughs> I, am, I am here now. We are speaking now. We um, had Caitlyn Jenner on the show. Oh, and, okay, you know, that was my first transgender guest. So, yeah, this is my... Because um, don't forget, I've got my tribe, entrepreneurs. You know, I've got my niche, my demographic. And then all the gurus tell you, focus on your niche and your demographic. But, you know, this kind of thing is my... Um, attempt to be more diverse okay i love that from you so so yeah what was it like coming out tell us how you came out so my family already knew before love island i was seeing a girl i saw a few girls but didn't have like a proper relationship with a girl just like casual dating and then there was a couple actually which had an open relationship and that was my first ever experience with a girl so she so was, you were in an open relationship so she was another model right. and she was in an open relationship ah. with a guy and then i kind of was just like seeing both of them for a short time oh my god but <laughs> i am i am overwhelmed <laughs> How do you even handle that? I can't even handle one sexual energy drive, focusness. How, how do you handle double trouble? It was fun for me, though. <laughs> I've, actually, I've never talked about this. I'm 43, and I have never talked about this. 
So this is like... <laughs> is it eye-opening? Yeah, it is. <laughs> how do you... Yeah, come, just talk. How do you... Um, so do you not yeah. get jealous? Not really, because I was the person coming in. They'd been together for four or five years. So I was new to the relationship. I was more like chin on eggshells, not trying to upset her or him. But yeah, I think I kind of like fell in love with the girl a little bit. And that's when I knew like, okay, I'm attracted to women. Because I right. thought it was just like a sexual thing. But I think I loved everything about her, like her personality. Like it wasn't just yeah. sexual. Yeah. Um, and then I started seeing a few girls. But in my area, South End, it's very like, I don't know, everyone's straight. No one like steps out of the norm. So there wasn't a big like gay community there. So I didn't even know how to meet other women. Um, and then I come out of Love Island, kept it quiet. Oh, I had the first week with the producers, I told them I liked women. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I didn't hear anything back after that. And then right before the end, they got me in. But I did mention it on the show. And then obviously when I come out, they really sexualised me because of my past. So I was petrified to ever mention that again. Went on um, Celebs Go Dating, and I didn't want to do that. To be honest, I still wasn't over my ex from the show. I wasn't ready, but it was good money. And also, how the hell am I going to meet gay girls? I didn't know where to meet them. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. But can you set me up with girls? Tell them my type of girls. And I was like, yeah, of course we can. So I'd done it for that reason. Like, I knew um, I'd get a lot of backlash as were you, well. Were you scared to come out about it all? Yeah, because I didn't want people to put me in that... They already sexualised me on the show, and I didn't want them to think that... I'm just like some nymphomaniac. Oh, it doesn't matter if you're a girl or a boy. She just wants to have sex with anyone. And it's not that for me. It's more of like the connection I have with a person. And the relationship I have with girls is so different to the relationship I have with boys. Like, I love both. And I couldn't decide, like, if I prefer dating women or men. I love both for different reasons. Is that not confusing? Like, you can't decide... Like, if I couldn't decide... I'm not going to even say... I'll, I'll, I'll put my foot in it, won't say I? It, I was going to do an analogy, but I'm, no, no. No, because I've ruined myself. Um, Harry and I were just talking about the things you shouldn't say publicly. I'm trying to understand this. Like, you're in a relationship with a man. Mm. Are you immediately open and honest by saying, I'm bisexual? Yeah, and because of Google, I think everybody knows right. this anyway, but... Yeah, I'd always say I like women. And even when I'm with guys... But is there not jealousy, though? Like, it, I I know some men might like a bisexual partner. I'd be very jealous. But, I, I, would, I could not let my partner be with anyone else. But even though it's just another sex, you could still be jealous of your missus with, like, a whole surround of, like... Say you're in, like an area there could be loads of men around yeah. you could be looking at them yeah so just because it's like another sex no, but when you're bisexual you don't just look do you yeah you don't cheat on partners just because you're bisexual okay well this is what i'm trying to understand so if you're with a man yeah you're going to be monogamous monogamous to him and you're not going to sleep with any other women no oh right okay no. fine but then but then you've got this urge for women as well no, I just find them attractive, but same as if I'm... Well, no, there's a difference between... I mean, Harry's not a bad-looking guy, but, I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to... No, I would <laughs> You know. I would get in a relationship with a woman, and I you would, would get... Yeah. So if you're in a relationship with a woman, you're not going to sleep with a man? No, but I wouldn't sleep with another woman either. I'm no. faithful to right. one person. Yeah. But oh, I just... Okay. I, I still so find them, like, men and women attractive. Right, I get it. But when I'm in a relationship, I'm in a relationship... Right. So how do you, like, do you wake up one day and go, yeah, I want to be in a relationship with a man? And then, 
a year later, or, or you've dated a man that like, fuck man, I'm going to start dating women. Does it? Are you like? Does that make? No, it just depends who I meet. Like, really, it's more of the vibe of the person. Like, if I love everything about them, like their personality, yeah. that makes them like sexually attractive. And to that me. doesn't matter if they're a man or a woman. No. No. And but obviously, I have types. Like, I wouldn't get with like a really, really butch girl. I find like more feminine girls attractive. That's my type. Mm. But same with like, just because I like guys, I'm not going to find every kind of guy good looking. No. So I have my like types in each sex, but. I don't think, oh, today I fancy getting with a girl, today I fancy getting with a guy. It's just I who just I mean. Like, I mean, I find life very confusing anyway. But, like, if, if I liked men and women, <laughs> is, is there, there not some tension in there or some... Does it not confuse you or, like, <laughs> let me do it, let me go here, Harry. Yeah, is it... Is it not... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, is it? Is there not tension? In what way? Between who? Inside yourself. Oh, like if I'm in a relationship with a girl, do I miss men? Or yeah, I... yeah. Because when you're in a relationship with a girl and you only like girls, you don't miss men because you only like girls, so you haven't got that. No, but I would still, like, if I saw a good-looking man, I would still appreciate a good-looking man, even if I had a good... Like, I had a girlfriend for a year, and I didn't think, oh, my God, I want to run off into sunset with a man. Because for me, like, sex is only part of it. Like, yeah. it's, like, the connection I have with the person, and I'm in, I am was in love with this girl. But if a guy like Tom Hardy walked down the street, I wouldn't... I'm, I'm not blind. I'd still be like, oh, my God, you're beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think anyone can do that. Mm. It's just when you actually are sexual with both sexes but i think that's the same like say for example you fell in love with someone and say you're just straight so i fell in love with one guy and we had like crazy sex and done like certain things and then i got with a new partner and i'm in love with him just because i'm not having the same sex i did with the other guy and it wasn't as good or we don't do as much adventurous stuff i'm still gonna love this guy and want to be with him i'm not gonna think oh my god i'm missing out because i can't do x y and z it's the same thing with, like, a girl and a guy. Yeah. I love sexual experiences with girls and I love women, but if I'm with a guy, I'm with a guy. Yeah. I've just got to love him for who he is and what we have together. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting there. Thank you. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Wow. This has been an education. <laughs> right. Let's do some quick fire. Okay. Are you up for some quick fire? Yeah, let's yeah? do it. Um, what do you put as the title of your CV? What's my job description? Yeah. Oh, I hate this. It changes every time I get a new form. This is why I'm asking. <laughs> Sometimes if I'm feeling particularly sassy, I'll be like TV personality. Sometimes if I thought like I look cute that day, I'll say model. I want to say, but I don't know what the actual word is. Is it an activist? Say if I'm like empowering women and yeah. like doing a lot for like mental health and sex workers. Can I say I'm an activist? I think you can say whatever you want because you said you're an entrepreneur. I think I'm an entrepreneur. Other people might agree or disagree. I think you can say what you want, can't you? Yeah. It's your CV. Yeah. I want to say entrepreneur, TV personality, activist and model. Nice. <laughs> Not you that heard... I'm greedy. No, you heard <laughs> I it here. we've established that. <laughs> <laughs> Why did Scott Disick attack you on Instagram? I think the guy's got too much time on his hands, to be honest. How he even knew I existed blew my mind. But yeah. I was just happy that if he knows I exist, 
Kim Kardashian and the Kardashian sisters must normalize. Right. That's a good way of looking at it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Trying to be positive. But I yeah. don't know what that was about. I think he must have been drinking. And a guy that I got with on the show, who was a lovely person, we just didn't click and have the same sense of humor. Mm. And he come up to me. Imagine someone coming up to you and saying, Rob, you're just not that funny. I had more, funny, more fun with my exes. So my reply to him was, well, you're not exactly Jim Carrey yourself. <laughs> Because I said that, Scott Disick messaged me, how dare you tell my friend he's not Jim Carrey, he's a beautiful person. I was like, yeah, I can see he's a beautiful person, that's why we had sex, but he's also not Jim Carrey. And this was four years ago, so why are you messaging me now at two in the morning? I don't know. I think yeah. he just had a bit of a wild one. Well, <laughs> two in the morning or late on a Sunday night is a classic for people drinking on social media. I used to find a lot of the hate I used to get it would be late Sunday, or you'd get the emails or whatever, and they'd be, you know, past 1am or whatever. So that get a could, bit brave after yeah, work. <laughs> yeah, or stupid. Yeah. I mean, we just had Paul Merson, and he said, don't, alcohol and Twitter do not go well together. So, <laughs> not a good mix. No. Do you know what I'm finding really impressive? So I've got a question here, how do you emotionally handle the haters, which we've covered a lot, but... I want to ask it again because it's really impressive because let's be honest, a lot of people can't handle the haters. Mm. They get really upset. I mean, the Caroline Flack scenario where people even take their own life. Um, and social media's exaggerated that and TikTok and all the... I mean, when I go live on TikTok, the fucking comments, there's some hate there on another level. So, but you seem pretty emotionally solid and stable with it all. Mm. How do you get to that, like master level like level 10 on the computer game of dealing with haters <laughs> i'm gonna take that i love yeah. that um i think that first year when i told you like my brother was in a bad way the public breakup every all the headlines were mugging me off saying she deserved it i think that's when i hit rock bottom and i think you've got to hit rock bottom once and really sit with it and be like right this is the worst and then think by me feeling sad and crying in my apartment by myself with like five paps hanging out my door every day and I'm walking down shaking, what's that achieving really? Um, so you just have to turn it around and be like, you can even let them win. This is my one time on this planet and I'm not going to let the sadness and other people's issues affect me. Mm. And the way I look at it, if you're making an account on the Daily Mail to tear down someone half your age from behind your computer screen, Who's got the real issue? Whatever you're commenting me about my appearance or what I'm wearing or who I'm dating or you sitting there and that's your bit of power for the day. So I hope that five minutes made you happy, but I'm living my best life. <laughs> <laughs> With the hair flick. <laughs> yeah, I think really, I feel sorry for the people who yeah. put that much hate into the world. They can't be happy. No. They need to get a therapist or get on NLP pronto. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you think we have freedom of speech in the world right now? Well, apparently so, if you're behind a computer screen and you're a child, but I don't know. I mean, if the US president can get cancelled, anyone can, so it's, it's risky. I mm. mean, at, at your own cost of being cancelled, I guess, how, how brave you are. Do you ever worry to be, about being cancelled or shut down? No, I think I say outrageous things deliberately because, mm. I don't know, I just, I hate rules. I hate being told what to do. I have a real issue with authority. So if anything, I say, I speak my mind mm. and I enjoy, I enjoy shocking people a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. 
Is mainstream media dying? Yeah, I think so. Like TV and stuff, I reckon, because of TikTok and YouTube and stuff. But I think that's better. Like rather than these big production companies and the big channels making money, we should take it into our own hands. Like mm. OnlyFans, like YouTube, like what you're doing on YouTube is amazing. Like we should have all the power. Mm. What's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you? craziest thing probably the first year that I got out of Love Island and I flew to LA and I was like partying with like Nelly the rapper and amazing Pete I was like it was a real pinch me moment I was just going to premieres and I love Jack Black like I'm such a fan and like he walked past me I was like oh my god things like that mm. I'm like wow if you would have told me that at 16 I'd have been like no you're lying <laughs> what's the most memorable DM you've ever received sadly not Scott but Amy Schumer, do you know who yeah. she is? I love her. I screamed. I was yeah. in the car and I was like, oh my God, she knows I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Amy And what Schumer. did she say? She just said that she loved me on Love Island. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that you're following me. Like, mm. she's incredible. And she's done so much for like women empowerment and loads of her comedy is about like sexual stuff, which I think is great because mm. growing up, there was no one like that that would speak about women enjoying sex. So mm. love her for that. Awesome. <laughs> What's the biggest risk you've ever taken? Probably walking into that strip club, having never gone into a strip club before. And I, da I dance like a dad at a disco. I've got no <laughs> rhythm. So to think I could be a stripper, that was very risky. What's your biggest success? Um, I would say from being such an introverted kid to going and like speaking at Oxford and Cambridge University mm. in front of people that when I was younger, I used to put on a pedestal above me because they're like more highly educated than me and come from wealthy families. I'd be like, oh my God, I'd feel inferior. So getting up there sober and speaking, that was like a really big proud moment. Mm. <laughs> What's the darkest moment of your life? darkest probably that time I spoke about like when my brother was in a bad way Wes had cheated on me the newspapers and I called his he was on Dancing on Ice and um, I called his dance partner out on social media which really I shouldn't have done in hindsight but yeah that was my lovest I remember I had bad anxiety and there was about like five packs every day waiting for me to come outside and then because of all the pap attention, we got burgled. So everything I'd stripped for, for 20, diamond rings, designer bags, all oh, robbed. Oh, no. Was that, what, was that from an Instagram post that they figured out or something? Because I know the, that happens, doesn't it? Yeah, no, because the paps were constantly outside my front door. So obviously everyone in that local area must have known like, who lives there. And then they broke in and then stole everything. So that was sad. Well, anyone listening, you should always have a safety deposit box or something away from your home and any of your most valuable items should stay there. Yeah. And um, I never post when I'm on holiday. Yeah. Never. And I do content while I'm on holiday and um, it gets published when I go back. Mm. You've yeah. got to be so careful. Yeah, now. you have. But yeah, I have graphic value but right anymore after that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What would you say you would like to be known for? I would love to be known, not for Love Island, not for OnlyFans, but for giving women a voice that have been like, I don't know, repressed for years. And like sex workers, I think, have always had such a hard time. And big 
like corporations love it like music videos women are supposed to be sexy Jane Bond films women are supposed to be sexy but as soon as that woman takes the power back and is in control of her body and makes that money for herself people don't like it so I'd want to be known for empowering women in that sense speaking openly about mental health and just women exploring their sexuality like you don't have to pick like just because you've hooked up with a girl a few times you don't have to say oh my god I'm a lesbian oh my god I'm bisexual like don't label yourself just live freely and do whatever you want you've got one life and it's your body so amen <laughs> what's your biggest regret biggest regret is giving my power away to people like trolls to people who've got opinions growing up I was so shy and so insecure and if someone said one comment, I'd really take it to heart. Whereas I think now, I just don't care. Like, I'm living for me. And I think for years, I gave too much of my power away to people's opinions. Mm. And what you're promoting, what you're working on, tell us about where we should go. <laughs> so you're on OnlyFans. Yeah, I'm on OnlyFans. And I feel like if you... I get so many people that ask me, like, questions about, like, sexuality, mental health, all of that. And that's the way to, like, really chat to me. Whereas, like... Instagram, I've got like 1.6 million followers. It's so hard to go through every DM. Yeah. Um, so yeah, OnlyFans. I've got a masterclass coming out as well because I have so many girls ask me about how to be successful on there, like tips and tricks, how to be safe, what content I post. Um, so that's coming soon. Stay tuned. And I have my own underwear range coming out later this year, which is super exciting. And what's are you allowed to say what the the, the brand's going to be called? So it's with a brand called Playful Promises, and it's going to be stocked in Hustler in America, and also over here it'll be sold on ASOS and from the Playful Promises website. All right, and then <laughs> social media. What's your like social media handle so if people want to follow you? My Instagram is Megan Button Hansen underscore. Bosh, <laughs> Megan. Thanks for doing this. It's been fun. Thank you. I've loved it. Thank you. <laughs>